mighty work. The Vertical Church is in revival, and we're thankful that Pastor Diaz agreed to be with us on our New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Could you receive our dear friend and brother today with a hearty hand clap of welcome? God bless you, Brother Diaz. Praise the Lord and clap your hands, all ye people. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, shout with a voice of triumph. Why don't we do that tonight? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Amen. Had it not been for the mercies of God, we would all be consumed. And uh, I thank the Lord for his precious mercy here today that um, has us on a, uh, in his house to worship him in a new year. God has been so good to us. Even through the trial and tribulation and the valleys, you've, you've got to thank God that uh, he knows what's best. He's got you in the palm of his hand. You've got to trust that the ways of a good man are ordered. Amen. And uh, I, am, uh, I am so privileged to be here. It is always an honor to be a tree of life and to be with so many that I love and appreciate. And we've learned to love this church. And we have learned to love your pastor and uh, the Urshan family, extremely, extremely uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, have friendship with them and also all of you here. Amen. And we bless you. Uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 34, I'm going to read verse 8 through verse 16. The book of Exodus chapter 34, verse 8 through verse 16. I read out of the New King James Version, Exodus chapter 34, verse 8 through verse 16. When you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say woe is me. Amen. The Bible reads it so in the name of Jesus Christ. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And he said, and this is God speaking, and he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nations, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, 
For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. On today, I'd like to speak to you here. Uh, I want to emphasize verse 14. You shall worship no other god for the Lord whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. I want to speak to you on this subject, the jealousy of God. The jealousy of God. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we understand how seriously you take your covenant. I pray, O oh God, that you would bring us forth, O oh Lord, into this new year with understanding that you are serious about your covenant. Lord, that you would see us through, but also there are some expectations that you have from what you have given. And we pray, oh God, that we would, uh, we would come into this new year with that understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated all over this building. There are many reasons why today's unchurched masses say that they don't believe in God. Truly, we are living in a world that is more and more antagonistic to the concept of God and especially to the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible. One of, one of the major excuses of those who claim that the God of the Bible isn't trustworthy is because he seems to be petty especially when the Bible calls him jealous, jealous. In his book, The God Delusion, renowned atheist Richard Dawkins, he, he writes that God breaks into a monumental rage whenever his chosen people flirted with a rival God. Also, Oprah Winfrey said that she was turned off to the Christian faith when she heard a preacher say that God was a jealous God. See, there's a new generation arising and a, a new breed of atheists who are accusing God of being impatient, petty, jealous, too easily provoked, as though the God of Christians is an emotionally insecure God. A while back, I, I had a discussion with uh, my cousin who was convinced of Christianity. I, I almost had him convinced of it, except that he struggled with several questions a typical unbeliever would struggle with. And the jealousy of God is particularly one of the points that he would bring up repeatedly. How is a God who was supposed to be all-powerful so insecure 
Why does he feel the need to be jealous of any other God if he is the true and living God? Well, friends, these are legitimate questions that demand an answer. Because a faith that cannot be defended properly is a faith that is not worth having. So I, I want to go to the word of God to figure out what it means for God to be jealous of his people. Over and over again, the Bible declares that God is a jealous God. The book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. In Nahum chapter 1 and verse 2, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. And this is but a short list of all the times that God is said to be jealous of his people. And so the question is here this afternoon, what is the jealousy of God? What does the Bible mean when it says that God is jealous over us? So Deep is his jealousy that our text claims that his very name is jealous. In other words, that's at the very core of who he is. That is his nature. Jealousy is not a learned behavior for him. He is inherently jealous. His very name is jealous. Well, brothers and sisters, there is a key here to understanding the jealousy of God. And that is to know that when the Bible declares that God is jealous, it is primarily describing a God who demands faithfulness to his covenant. A God who demands faithfulness to his covenant. Can I tell you, God is not jealous of people who are not in covenant with him. I'm going to say that again. God is not jealous of people who are not in covenant with him. No, his jealousy is strictly confined to the very people who have agreed to the terms of his covenant. It is absurd of you to be jealous of a person who did not agree to be in relationship with you in the first place. If you're not in relationship with me, you can't be jealous of me. We don't have anything going on. God is not jealous of the people out there. God is only jealous of people that by way of baptism have made a confession of faith and said, I enter into covenant with you. And he says, if you're going to enter into covenant with me, if you're going to enter into a relationship with me, then and I want you to know there are some terms that need to be observed. <laughs> some time ago, I got a message from a complete stranger. Let me reiterate that. A stranger. <laughs> and uh, she messaged me because the night before, I had posted on my social media, on my story, 
I had posted a young woman who was a, a family friend from when I was in New York, just, you know, a young person, and she's always been a family friend. <coughs> it was, uh, just happened to be her birthday, and so I posted her on my story wishing her a, uh, a happy birthday. So I, I uh, received this message on the next day, and, uh, and the message that I received was, uh, Pastor Luami, you should not be posting females on your social media. Uh, and then it, it proceeded to say, uh, uh, you, you should let the Lord guide you in that, and, and you should have discernment. And I mean, it's a, it's a lengthy message that I had received. You should let the Lord guide you. You should have discernment about who you post on your social media. And then uh, finally, in the last paragraph, she revealed uh, the, the, the true uh, reason for her message. And she said, and you should ask God for discernment and guidance and, and wisdom as well, because God told me that that you were going to be my husband. <clears throat> well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to miss the will of God. Therefore, the very first thing I did, I said, girl, if God told you that, let me go ahead and look at that profile picture. I mean, I don't want to miss the will of God. <laughs> Amen. I did. I clicked on that profile picture, and I'm going to let you know right now, whatever God she's talking about. Is not the God I serve. <laughs> that was not the will of God. In this portion of our text, it's just absurd to be jealous of someone you're not in relationship with. In this portion of our text, this is the second time that Moses has gone up to the mountain. The first time God wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, but when Moses descended from the mountain, he witnessed the people worshiping before a golden calf. Moses was so incensed that he shattered the first stone tablets. And Moses ascends back to the mountain to intercede on Israel's behalf. And he, he pleads with God so that God would spare their lives and have mercy on his people. But I love it not as soon as Moses gets up to the mountain before he could ever go into detail. The Lord already had an answer for him. And the answer he had for him was this, Moses, I am a merciful God forgiven the iniquity of the people for thousands of generation of them that love me. I, don't you love that, that before you even go to God with your sin, God already has an answer of forgiveness for you? He said, I am a merciful 
God. Don't you understand who I am? I am a God of character. I am a God of forgiveness. I am a God of mercy. I am a God who looks not upon the iniquity of my people forever. I am a forgiving God. And so when uh, he describes to Moses that he is a merciful and long-suffering God who forgives the iniquity and the sin and who keeps mercy for thousands, Moses then asks the question of God in Exodus in the text that we read. In verse 9 it says, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Even though we are a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your enemy inheritance take us as your inheritance well upon hearing Moses plea God responds and this is what he virtually says he says are you sure Moses are you ready to make for me to make you my inheritance because what you are asking for is not something petty what you are asking for is not something small what you're asking for is a covenant and if you really are ready to enter into that kind of relationship with me are you sure that this is the kind of relationship you want to get into all right then here it goes verse 10 behold I make a covenant behold I make a covenant this is no longer hearsay this is no longer an informal ambiguous relationship with no defined parameters this is no longer well I kind of saw a, a picture of her in the background on a picture that, that she posted I, I, but I don't know I, I don't know what the rumors are saying this is no longer some relationship you heard about through the grapevine let's put paper to pen let's commit to this thing formally behold I make a covenant I don't think people understand how seriously God takes his covenants ladies and gentlemen God is a God of covenants and a covenant is a binding agreement between God and his people in which God makes promises to his people and these promises are called blessings and usually he requires certain conduct from them and these this conduct is called commandments now if the people do not respect the terms of the covenant if they don't follow his commandments then there are warnings of what will happen if the covenant is broken warnings and these are called curses curses every covenant every covenant in this era uh, had this same proposition or this same format this is the same format that every covenant had regardless of where you went every covenant had the same format there were commandments there were blessings giving there were warnings and there were curses if you broke those warnings now, 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 first I want to deal with the blessings. 
blessings of the covenant. God said, if you enter into covenant with me, I'm going to swear by my own self because I looked all around the whole world and I could not find anybody that was bigger than myself. If there was anybody that was bigger than me, I would have sworn by that person. That's how faithful I am to my covenants. But because I searched the whole world and could not find anything or anybody that is bigger than me, so I will swear by my own name that I am faithful to my covenants. I'm going to take care of you like nobody has ever taken care of you. I'm going to love you like no one's ever loved you. I'm going to love you like no other lover has ever loved you before. And here are the blessings of the covenant I'm going to make with you. Let me give you my blessings first. Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. All the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you observe what I command you this day behold I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and all the ites. I'm gonna drive them all from your land look at all that I'm bringing to the table you coming into covenant with me baby I'm gonna take care of you I'm gonna take care of you like nobody's ever taken care of you I will give you a whole lot more than I'm demanding from you these are the blessings of my covenant I don't know about you but the day that I chose to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ the day I came in a covenant with Jesus Christ has been the best day and decision of my whole life. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. He sticks closer to me than a friend and a brother. He gets sweeter as the days go by. The blessing and favor of God has been upon me and my family every year, every single year. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. He's blessed me more than I could even count. I can't even begin to count God's blessings over my life. God has been good to me. Can anybody testify at Tree of Life that God has been good to you? If you're here for the first time, I've got a testimony to give you. God has been good to me. If you're debating whether you want to come in a relationship or not, God has been good to us. God's been good. God's been so good. Hallelujah. 
All you got to do, all you got to do is look back over your life. Just look at five years ago, ten years ago. I know you're not where you ought to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. I know you haven't gotten everything you've asked for, but thank God he has made a way where there was no way. Thank God he's brought you a mighty long way. He picked you up. He turned you around. He placed your feet on a solid ground. God has been good to you. Woo. God has been so good. You may be seated. But let me make this perfectly clear, Moses. That just as there are blessings in my covenant, I promise I'm going to be better to you than you've been to yourself. I promise in this covenant I'm going to bless you. I'm going I'm to drive out people you didn't even know were your enemies. I'm going to give you blessings seen and unseen. But just as there are blessings to my covenant, so there are warnings and terms you must also abide by. See, this marriage I'm entering with you is not going to be an open marriage. You can't have side dudes and expect me to be okay with it. You can't sleep with third parties and expect me to look the other way. When you enter into covenant with me, there's an expectation of exclusivity. If you still want me to make you my inheritance, let me give you a warning about everything a covenant or entering a covenant with me. Verse 12, take heed to yourself. I'm going to drive out every single ike you've ever imagined. I'm going to give you all sorts of blessings. But here's my warning and my commandment. Take heed to yourself. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. Lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars. You shall break their sacred pillars. You shall cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And in essence, God was telling Israel, if you're going to enter into covenant with me, then I expect you to worship me and me alone. I expect you to love me above all else. I demand you that you make me your priority. I'm the man that I'm the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about at night. I expect that in all your ways that you shall acknowledge me. 
You can't expect my protection and my deliverance and my healing and my blessings. I promise you, I'm going to bless you and heal you and deliver you and fight for you. You can't expect me to do all of that and not want anything in return. That's not how relationships work. So take heed. Don't you get too close to the nations. It's not that it's inherently sinful to get close to a nation, but if you do, they'll become a snare. Don't get too close. They'll lead you to other gods. They'll take your attention from covenant. Don't forget your vows, Israel. Don't tolerate them. Don't live with them peacefully. Destroy their altars. Break their sacred pillars. Cut down their wooden images. Don't you, don't you go having two mind, double-minded. You know, one time you're on this side. No, that's not what I'm looking for. You shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Israel, I'm going to let you know from the beginning I'm a jealous God. I will not tolerate idolatry. I won't tolerate others. I am jealous of you. You're coming into covenant with me. Part of the reason we have a problem with God's jealousy in our modern times is because when we think about God being love, and you see that everywhere, God is love. God is love. When we think of God being love, we think of grandfatherly love. What we want is for God to be a grandfather, not a father. Because a grandfather's sole goal in life is to get a grandchild to like him. A grandfather takes the kids for a stroll on demand. Gives them stuff he never gave you. Has all sorts of patience. Never forget looking at my mother as my children will, will act like nuts in her house, throwing stuff and doing stuff and seeing my mother come over and going, oh, they're just children. And I said, they're just what? He gives them money for candy when mom is not looking. He lets the kids have ice cream for breakfast. That's what grandfathers do. And that's what we want out of God. Grandfatherly love. A God who will give us anything and everything that we ask for and demand. But I'm here to tell you, God is not a grandfather. God does not have grandchildren. God only has children. You know why that is? Because he is a father. A father does not have grandfatherly love. A father has to be courageous with tough love. 
It's the kind of love that says, I'm not your friend. I'm not your buddy. I had to tell my children a whole lot of times, I'm your dad, but I'm also your chiropractor because I will break your back. It's the kind of love that has to tell his little girl, that skirt is too short. That neckline is too low. You can't go out until all your homework is done. It's the kind of love that'll tell his son, brush your teeth. You can't play on your PS5 until your grades go up. Pull up those pants. Open up the door for that lady. That's the kind of love a father has to have. And the book of Hebrews says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges. That is, he whips every son whom he receives. God has to whip you. Tell you something, I couldn't trust a God who wouldn't look after me in that way. I couldn't trust a God who didn't love me in that way who saw me going in a different direction from covenant and said, it's okay, go right ahead. I couldn't trust a God who didn't love me in that way. The psalmist said, in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. In other words, I could not trust you if you didn't react every time I went my own way and you brought me back and you pulled on my ear and you said you're going too far. Come back to covenant. Come back in faithfulness. You afflicted me. Because the last thing you want to do is to give a five-year-old what he wants. He'd last a week. But for those teenagers who are saying, yeah, that's right. You can't give a 15-year-old what he wants either or a 17-year-old. Some 17-year-olds need to say amen. You know why? They last more than a week, but they only last a month. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you have all sorts of self-control, and you woke up, and, and there was a halo on your head, and and wings on your back. But as for me, I'm that five-year-old. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I'm, I'm holy and I, and I wake up speaking in tongues. I snore in tongues. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you that my Siri's so safe, she speaks in tongues too. But that's... That's not how it works. If it weren't for God in my life, if it weren't for his jealousy over my life, if it wasn't for his conviction on my conscience, I would make a huge mess out of my life. If it wasn't for his guidance and his word and his direction and his presence, my life would be a total disaster. My life is a mess now, but without God, it would be a hot mess. 
So I need a loving father to be jealous of me. I need a loving father to correct me in my ways. I need a father to remind me of my covenant. I need a father to tell me, come on, son. We're in covenant. We're covenant. The jealousy of God is intoxicating. And I'll tell you why. Because the last thing you want in a committed relationship is for somebody to be so indifferent towards you that they'll let you do whatever you want, whenever you want it, with no regard for the vows that were made, the commitments that were established at the very beginning. It would shock you to know that six months before uh, my divorce or before I heard the words I want a divorce, Six months that led up to that, it shocks people when I tell them this, there was not one fight in my home. Not one. Not one argument in my home. Six months before all this, not one argument. You know why? Something was wrong. Something was miserably wrong. That heart didn't belong to me anymore. Is it all right if we do this, hun? Sure. Should we go here? Yeah. Are we going to? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. The opposite of love is not hate. Sometimes hate is the very evidence that you still love. The person you hate has so much control over your emotions. That's why I, I hardly ever try to counsel people that just have just broken up. Because here they are in front of you and they're, I can't stand this person and they're doing this and they're doing And you know, you're trying to be a friend and you go, yeah, that's right. That's right. I told you that's the, e that's the devil himself. And two days later, holding hands at the mall again. You know why? Because the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. It's when someone just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, go ahead. Just do whatever. It's, it's fine. Yeah, you, whatever. It's fine. And I feel like the worst thing that can happen to you when you are set on going in your own direction is for God to second your motives. For God to second your motion. For God to second your decisions. When you are intent on going your own way, the worst thing that can happen is for God to stop fighting you. When God stops fighting you, Houston, we have a problem. You're no longer in covenant with him. God doesn't fight for people he's not in covenant with. One of the saddest chapters to me in the whole Bible is Romans chapter 1. Three times Paul uses the expression, God gave them up. 
God gave them up. Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions. It, uh, to, to, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Verse 26 again, and even as they did not retain, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. God gave them up. God gave them over. And the Greek word here means he yielded. He yielded. He had a lane at some point. He, he knew that he could take that lane. But finally, he said, you know what? You take. You go. You do. I yield. I surrender. I quit. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. It's for God to see you going intent on your own, in your own direction and on your own way. And he's saying, I yield. I'm done. I can't, I can't change your mind anymore. I'm done. Oh, no. In this context, it refers to the act of God completely abandoning, abandoning the unrighteous. As the wicked deserted God, God also deserted them, no longer giving them divine direction, no longer giving them restraint, but allowing them to corrupt themselves as they wished because they would not honor him. He let him them do what they pleased to dishonor themselves, being given over or yielded up to one's own sinful desires is a judgment from God. So here I am, and I beg of God here tonight, public today, publicly, God, don't you ever give up on me. Don't let me go on my own way. If I get too far to the left of the covenant, you bring me back. If I get too far to the right, you grab me and say, no, I'm in covenant with you. You made a covenant with me. Because true love demands jealousy. If you're married here, you understand that. I can't let you sit next to another man at church and watch him put his arms around you and see you smile and wink at him. We made vows. It is my right to be jealous of you. I love you. I adore you. I promise to love you faithfully. We're in a covenant. And if your flirtation with someone outside of this covenant doesn't move me, then I just don't care. In the Bible, there are two types of jealousies. There's a bad jealousy. There's a good jealousy. A bad jealousy. I, I saw a meme the other day that read, I only let my girlfriend have three guy friends. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's obviously the wrong kind of jealousy. Because it stems from insecurity. Bad jealousy is a jealousy that is rooted in self-centeredness. It is a jealousy that worries itself with my feelings, my ego, my own pride. This kind of jealousy is called the sinful work of the flesh in Scripture. 
you can note that because there, there are spouses that you had that never even cared. They, I mean, they didn't care when they were out doing all sorts of stuff, right? But as soon as you did something, they went after you. You know why? It's not because they love you. It's because they love themselves and their reputation. They could do the same thing. But when you do it, they'll look at you and say, oh, no, 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 no. And you know why that is? You're not going to do that to me. The point here is not love for you. The point here is love for me. I love myself. You're not going to belittle me. That's a flesh, a work of the flesh in Scripture. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Jealousy is in there. Jealousy, you see, this is a bad jealousy, a sinful work of the flesh. A bad jealousy springs up from hurt pride and immaturity and self-centeredness. I was reading the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia on this. And I noticed that a bad jealousy, the, the, the true word for a bad jealousy is envy, envy. And, and you differentiate envy from jealousy. And how do you do that? Well, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says envy is an evil strongly condemned in both the Old and New Testament. It is to be distinguished from jealousy. We are jealous of our own, but we are envious of another man's possessions. Jealousy Fears to lose what it has, while envy is pained at seeing another half. That's bad jealousy. But on the other hand, there is something called a good jealousy or a godly jealousy. While bad jealousy protects the petty, godly jealousy protects the precious. Good jealousy springs up out of concern for the other person's well-being. It's not so much my self-centeredness. It's that I love you so much. And in a very similar way, Paul told the Corinthian church, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And it's because I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And Paul uses the symbolism of a matchmaker who in the ancient world would find a bride for a bachelor. Figuratively speaking, Paul wants to make sure that the bride he has found for Christ is a virgin on the day of the wedding. He doesn't want this bride to commit infidelity by going after another Lord. So he is jealous of the Corinthians. You see, while a bad jealousy is rooted in self-centeredness, a godly jealousy is one that is rooted in the well-being of the other person. And in this text, Paul is not worried for the Corinthians because of a petty self-interest, but because he is generally concerned with their well-being. And in like manner, God sees us con continually refusing to drink clean water from him, the ultimate source of hydration. And instead, we rummage through this world's sources of hydration, which are dirty and stagnant and diseased and unsanitary. And God's jealousy over me is because he knows what is good for me. He knows what is good for me. I, I am a jealous father. I am that kind of dad that used to leave voicemail messages on my children's 
uh, first phone. As a matter of fact, I called Caleb uh, about a year ago, and I realized that Caleb n has never changed his voicemail message, first voicemail message that I left on there from the time he was about eight or not seven to nine, somewhere in there. He was about seven. And I gave him my their, their first phone, and I left a, a voicemail message on there for anybody that would call them. And, and I heard this, and I was so shocked that, you know, 10, 11 years later, maybe even more than that, 12 years later, he still has the same original message I had left on there. This is what it says. I, I wrote it out. It says, hi, you have reached Micah and Caleb Diaz, because they, they shared the phone at the time. You have reached Micah and Caleb Diaz, but please be careful what you leave on this voicemail, because I am a jealous dad, and I will come after you. Thank you, and God bless. But I'm not jealous over my children because of anything that I can get out of it. I require nothing of them for me. I'm not in it because of self-interest. I'm not in it because of a power trip. I'm not in it because I want to exert my authority and look who's daddy around here. That's not why I'm jealous over my children. I'm jealous over my children because they're precious to me. I love my children. I look after the direction of their way. God entrusted me with those treasures and I want to present them to him. They mean so much to me. It's that kind of jealousy. In the book of Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman is said to watch over the ways of her household like a mama bear. That is the right kind of jealousy. You watch over the ways of your household. You say, no, we're not going in that direction. We're not dressing in such a way. We don't hang out with certain people. We don't go to certain places. Why? I'm jealous for you. God gets jealous over his children, choosing ways that are not good for them. Not because he gets anything out of it. His primary desire is not that you would choose him so that he gets some sort of gratification from your loyalty. God does not need us. He doesn't need your loyalty. His main desire is that you do what is right so that in the end, you, the child whom he loves, is blessed. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today. Watch this. For your good. I'm doing it for your good. 
I'm asking you to follow my commandments for your good. It's not because of me. It's because I love you. Because I came in a covenant with you. Because I know what is best for you. When God asks you to come to the sanctuary on the Lord's day, is it for his good? My God, he's got angels that cover their faces. With two wings, they cover their feet. With two wings, they fly and they cry out, giving voice one to another, saying, Holy, holy, in perfect pitch, holy, holy. Do you really think he needs you to come here and to worship him? He doesn't ask you to come in here to worship him because he needs you. It's because he wants you to, to get the discipline. Coming to the house of God, he knows how much you need the fellowship. He knows how much you need to get a hold of him in his presence. Do you really think that he needs your money? He doesn't need your money. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. He is the God of the gold and the silver, and yet he asks you, come, join with me, give, and it shall be. Why does he do this? He says, the reason I want you to give is because I want the discipline of you giving to the Lord first. Because if I leave you five-year-old to your own devices, You'll use that money to go buy things that are not good for you. That'll kill your relationships. That'll take you away. Don't you understand? My covenant is perfect. My covenant is good. I am a good God. I'm here to bless you. I'm here to favor you. I'm giving you. All you have to do is follow the words in my covenant and heed to the warnings of my covenant. If you do, I've got blessings upon blessings upon blessings. I want to bestow upon you. It's for your good. It's for your good. Lift your hands all over this place right now. Lift your hands all over this place right now. Father, I pray in this house there may be some people that are far from covenant. That very covenant they made with you at one point or another in their lives. But now they find themselves drifting away from the covenant. One way or another, oh Lord, when they first started on this journey, their first love was you. You were all that they desired, all that they wanted. They follow after you. They heeded to all of your warnings and commandments. But on this first day of 2023, I pray that you would remind us of our covenant. Bring us back to covenant. Bring us back to serving one another in love, to forbearing one another, to greeting each other with a holy kiss. Bring us back, O oh God, to loving one another. Bring us back to walking in light and walking in wisdom and walking in love. Bring us back, O oh God, to being drunk in the spirit. Bring us back, O oh God, to 
to coming to the house of the Lord and sanctuary and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as such is the manner of some. Bring us back, O oh Lord, to working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Bring us back to service. Bring us back, O oh God. O oh God, I pray in this house, bring us back to covenant with you, to loving you above all things. Bring us back so much that we go back home and we break our idols. Our idols are not made of wood and, and stone and silver and metal, but our idols, oh God, of entertainment, bring us back to covenant. Our idols, oh God, where we spend 11 and 12 hours a day on our phone, and yet we can't spend a couple of minutes in your presence. Bring us back to covenant with you, where you are first in our lives, oh God, where YouTube is not our master. Netflix is not our master. Instagram is not our master, but you are the love of our life. Bring us back, oh God, to covenant. Bring us back to living a holy life and separate unto the Lord. Bring us back, oh God, to loving you above all else, to giving you every sort of worship that we have, not because you need it, but because I need it, because you are the king over my life. Bring us back to covenant. Bring us back to resting in the grace of God that has been bestowed. Bring us back to trusting in the sacrifice you've made for us on the cross. Bring us back to meditating upon it and to often remembering this that you have done for us. Bring us back to covenant. Bring us back to forgiving those who have offended us. Bring us back to walking the second mile with those who ask us for one. Bring us back, oh God, to give them a coat, those who have asked for a cloak. Bring us, bring us back, oh God, to following after your commandments. Bring us back to Christianity. Bring us back to a pure heart. Bring us back to holiness. Bring us back to grace. Bring us back to your home. Bring us back to be in the church. Bring us back to covenant. I pray all over this building you find the place right here. You find a place where you come back in 2023. This altar is open. If you want to come to this altar, you want to pray where you're at, you want to pray with somebody. But I want you to pray in this 2023 and say, oh God, bring me back. I need your jealousy to bring me back. I need you to pull on me until I'm ready to commit all the way. I need you to never let me go. Don't you quit. I need you to push me, oh God, and tug at me and pull and push. I, I, I need your jealousy, oh God. I, I can't be without your word and your conviction and without your conscience upon my heart and my mind. I need you because left to my own devices, I'm going to erect idols made like a birds and, and beasts and creeping things. I'm going to make idols out of everything. I'm going to build golden cows. Oh, God, and I'm going to worship around golden calves if I'm left to my own devices. So remind me of my covenant often. Remind me every single day through your word, through a brother, through a text. Remind me that I've made covenant with my eyes. Remind me that I've made covenant with my hands and my feet. Remind me that I'm in covenant with you, oh, God. Remind me. Remind me. Put reminders, oh, God. Oh, God. 
over my family in 2023. Put reminders over my family that we are a family who serves the Lord and fears the Lord and loves the Lord and is in covenant with the Lord. Bring us back to covenant. Bring us back to God. Bring us back to revival. Lift your voices all over this building right now. Come on, bring, bring us back. Lift your voices all over this building. Let's turn this into a little place of prayer right now where you just ask God, bring me back. Focus me. I've been unfocused. Focus me again. Focus me. Focus me. I need your jealousy. Don't you ever let loose. Don't you ever forget. Don't you ever turn around on me. Don't you yield. Oh, God, don't you ever surrender or quit. Bring me back. Pull on my ear. Tug at me. Bring conviction. Speak to my heart, oh, God. Speak to my heart. If you lead me to my own devices, addiction is at the door. If you lead me to my own devices, pride is at the door. If you lead me to my own devices, I'm going to my old friends and my old customs. If you lead me to my own devices, I'm going back to my old nations and my old behaviors. If you leave me, God, bring me back. Talk to me. Convict me of sin. Speak to me through your word. Speak to me through your preacher. Love me. Love me enough to be jealous of me. Be a jealous. Be jealous of me. Just like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath.